Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome, everybody, to Insight LA Long Beach on Sunday 6. Very happy to be here. It's always amazing to see so many people when the weather is so gorgeous. <laughs> Come and sit. It's really nice. And it's Super Bowl Sunday. How many people here did not know it's Super Bowl Sunday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. That's why you're here. You're like, Nothing else going on today. So today, we're going to continue our talk on the six perfections. Uh, this is um, kind of the guide to the Bodhisattva way of being, which we'll get into in, in greater detail. So we started this talk a couple weeks ago. Um, and so before we start, though, I just um, had a great talk with Trudy Goodman, who is the founder of Inside LA. How many people have sat with Trudy? Yeah? She's fun- phenomenal. And she's coming to sit with us April 3rd, right? I thought it was on first. It's either the second or the third. Sorry, it's the first Sunday in April. First Sunday in April. So this is it's super amazing. This is the first time we've had that caliber of a teacher come and sit with us. So we're all very excited. And we were talking, and and she was just saying how special this group is. You know, this hasn't happened in the history of Insight LA, that an outreach group like this that's so far away from the main center, main centers in Santa Monica. We've never developed a true sangha, like a true community of people to come and sit like we do and to do the type of activities that we do. So this is such a precious opportunity for us. And she was just going on and on about just how special sangha is, Buddha, Dharma, and sangha. And you know, of course, there's a, a great teaching where a student said to Buddha, you know, I think I think Sangha is 50% of my practice. Mm -hmm. And the Buddha said, no, it's 100% of your practice. And Sri Pitswari used to say, environment is stronger than will. Mm. Environment is stronger than will. And we might think of this like, you know, we don't want to hang around like, you know, negative types of people and this and that. We don't want to get kind of drawn into uh, negative aspects of life. But maybe just to really meditate on how positive it is to sit with, with like-minded people that are up, uplifting and dedicated to further themselves. And how easy our practice can become when we're around uh, those types of people and environments. I remember living at the meditation centers. I was like a saint in a meditation center. <laughs> it did quite well, you know, surrounded by all these monks and nuns and the teachers. And, uh, and it's just so, such a quite, uh, such a beautiful way of being to, to habitualize ourselves in that way, to, to that way of, of existing in that way, and, and making that 
just routine. Just a small example of that, I had an opportunity to sit with Krishna yesterday. Mm-hmm. Krishna and I had, had coffee yesterday. And he was relaying to me a story of him sitting with a homeless person. And this homeless person had just, you know, had some troublesome, uh, some, some troublesome times. And although he had some difficulties, he was telling Krishna, he said, Oh man, every day I feel so thankful. I'm so thankful. I thank God that I'm alive. I shouldn't even be alive. I'm so thankful. You know, Krishna was saying to me, Krishna is Krishna over here. Krishna is not, I didn't, was, I didn't have my coffee with Krishna. Like, <laughs> some people might not know Krishna. <laughs> so there I was having coffee with Krishna and they're thinking, boy, this guy's lost it. <laughs> but he was saying how when he feels a sense, you know, when he may be falling out of gratitude, he thinks of that story and it brings him back and into a sense of gratitude. And, and I woke up this morning, and as my mind, I'm sure a lot of you can relate, I woke up and my mind was just spinning. And it was thinking about today and thinking about what am I going to talk about today. And it's just going, it's watching it go. And I sat like that for a few minutes, and then I realized, oh, what a moment of bliss that I was in. I was in such a moment of peace. You know, I had my fiance, she was sleeping on my chest. And then my cat was bear hugging my arm. Little thing. She was passed out sleeping. And she had wrapped her both legs around my arm in a bear hug. And I hadn't even noticed. I mean, I noticed, but I didn't really notice what was happening. It was such in a moment of peace, and that because of the conversation that we had, this gratitude, right, was just in my sphere of influence. And I woke up to that gratitude in that moment. And I remember that story, and I thought, oh God, thank you. You know, thank you for this moment of peace. This is awesome. This is a moment of heaven right here, right now. And in, the, in that moment, could lead to another moment of gratitude, right? So each moment to lead to another moment. So again, so just thank you, everyone here for just creating this space is so incredible. And I never, I never lose gratitude for, for this group and for this space that we hold for one another. So continuing our, our conversation into the six perfections. And, and again, to, to summarize briefly for those that weren't here a couple weeks ago, the Mahayana tradition of Tibetan Buddhism really emphasizes the benefit of all beings, the Bodhisattva vow that I have to reach or I want to reach the highest state of heart and mind for the benefit of all beings. And so this is, this is their motivation So this is their motivation. And it's just this gorgeous, beautiful way of existing. And it's not so esoteric and, and out there. And, and it's, 
it seems like maybe like a unattainable uh, motivation or intention for one's life, but it's very moment by moment. I relate a story last time of a Zen teacher that I was sitting with, and he was saying how when he cooks a meal, like his, when his wife's coming home and he's making dinner, he's not making dinner or preparing that meal just for himself and his wife, but for all beings that are hungry. Right? So this is the moment to moment how one can exist. And after the dinner when he's cleaning up and wiping off the countertop, he's not just wiping off the countertop, but in his mind he's visualizing that he's wiping away all negativity and all obscurations of all beings. And really just sending out that intention. And, a good, and again, how good does it feel in one's own body at that time to live with such presence for others? It's, it's very selfish helping others. <laughs> yeah? Because it just makes us feel so good. Right? So I talked a lot about you know, a couple of weeks ago about the motivation to do the six perfections because they're, they're very simple. Patience, generosity, diligence, discipline. And all these things are very mundane. And then we get into concentration, meditation, wisdom. Right? And so, and again, we practice the, the meditation. We say, how's your meditation practice? How's your meditation practice going, right? We know to be diligent about this because it's very extra, uh, extraordinary to sit still, right? It's revolutionary to sit still. We, we know it's very black and white. It's very hard to sit still. We, we put it on our schedule. We take a, take a seat, hopefully every day, and we meditate. But how is our patience practice? How's the practice going? Like, how's, how's your practice going on patience? How's it going with generosity? How's your generosity practice going? It has to be a practice. And so we have to be motivated to do these mundane practices just as motivated as we are to do a meditation practice. So without the generosity practice, and the practice of, of patience, there's not going to be much of a meditation practice. There might be sitting on the cushion, but the fruition will be lacking, right? And when we talk about sila, the ethics, we talk about, you know, how is our mind if we're, if we're not so moral all day long and we sit to meditate? You know, how, how hard is that to meditate? Right? Very difficult. So speaking of, of motivation, um, I saw something that... Sh- that triggered my interest on, on Facebook yesterday, just about how the golden rule applies in all these different religions. So I just I found something I want to go ahead and read in different religions how the golden rule is is present. The Baha'i faith. Ascribe not to any soul that which thou wouldst, wouldst not have ascribed to thee. And say not that which thou doubtst not. 
Blessed he who preferreth his brother before himself. Brahmanism. This is the sum of, dom, of dharma or duty. Do not unto others which would cause you pain if done to you. Christianity. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law of the prophets. Confucianism. Try your best to treat others as you would wish to be treated yourself, and you will find that this is the shortest way to peace. Ancient Egyptian, do for one who may do for you, that you may cause him thus to do. Hinduism. This is a... Oh, is that repeating? Hinduism is repeating. The Incas, do not to another what you would not yourself want to experience. Islam, none of you believes until he wishes for his brother what he wishes for himself. Jainism, therefore, neither does he, a sage, cause violence to others, nor does he make others do so. So this is, this is a very, very common theme throughout all saints, sages, all religions of all time. So Dalai Lama likes to say, you know, kindness. My religion is simple. My religion is kindness. So how do we get there? How do we, how do we exude kindness in all these different situations in life? And this is, this is um, what the six perfections really hit upon. And I just want to go through briefly because I just think this mo- the motivation part is, is so important. I just want to touch briefly upon the four thoughts. How many are you familiar with the four thoughts that turn the mind towards Dharma? I'm not sure. Not sure, maybe. Uh, so whatever we find, however we can connect our, our heart connection, however we could find a heart connection with this motivation to, to help others, and of course it goes without saying to help ourselves in the same way, is important and one that I find very helpful is to go through the, the four thoughts. And the first of the four thoughts, and this is the four thoughts that turn the mind towards Dharma. So this is the four thoughts that motivate us to practice in the, in the Tibetan tradition. And the first thought is that this is such a precious human birth that we have, a, we're existing and we're alive. This is amazing, right? And it really, it's really a gratitude practice. It's saying that this is a precious life. We're alive today. And then you could think of like, all the amazingness that you have, that you have food and water. What I like to say, you have a beautiful cave, right? Mm-hmm. You have an amazing cave. You have running water, you can store your food and, and whatnot. So you have this amazing place to practice. Amazing. And then the second piece is, is impermanence, is that even though you have this precious opportunity to practice, we don't know how much time we have, right? As Lama Zopa likes to say, alive people are dying before dying people every day. Right? Alive people are dying before dying people every day. Right? So we don't know how much time we have, but we know that we have this amazing opportunity. And again, with the amazing opportunity, what's even more amazing is if you have actually touched upon the Dharma at all. Dharma, any kind of wisdom, any kind of peace at all, if you've touched upon that, it, if you found a teaching, if you found a teacher, if you found some kind of wisdom, this is even more incredible, right? If you have motivation to practice, this is even more incredible. 
if you have met the, the teachings and you have the motivation to practice, if you have the opportunity to practice, this is even more incredible, right? How many people can't be here? Like we finished off the meditation today. You know how many people cannot be here today? Even if they wanted to be here, they couldn't be here, right? Life has overtaken them with duties and responsibilities. Or maybe people have never even heard that there's something like enlightenment or that we could find peace within ourselves, right? How fortunate, right? So we have this amazing opportunity, yet we do not know how much time we have, right? So the third motivating factor is that of karma, that we know that each instant of peace leads to another instant of peace. That's it. Every instant of anger leads to another instant of anger. That's it. Right? It's very, very simple. So we know that we have this unbelievable opportunity and that we know that we do not know how much time we have. So we know because of karma, we should use it to find more and more instants of peace. Very simple. Because that's going to add, that's going to lead to another instant of peace. And the final thing we think of is, is dukkha, this beautiful, amazing, blissful dukkha, which means the basic unsatisfactory nature of all existence. Beautiful, gorgeous, just rolls off the tongue and just lights you up with, <laughs> with happiness. But all that is saying is that happiness is within. That's just not out there. There's no suitcase of happiness. There's nothing that inherently exudes happiness. Happiness is it's already here. And it's a beautiful thing to, re to, to realize. And this is something that is not, again, esoteric. We know. Check in with every rock star, every famous person. They're going to tell you. Like Jim Carrey says, I wish everyone could be rich and famous so they could figure out that's not what it's about. <laughs> I wish everyone could do it. Right? And so we don't need to look out there. Not like anything wrong with money or anything like this. It's just that if you need to be happy in here to enjoy the money anyway. You can have a ton of money and not be happy in here, right? So this motivates us not to search out there, again, to, to seek, seek peace in here. So those are the four thoughts. And I'll share those on the newsletter. Um, the newsletter is sent out. Very motivating. Very motivating. They say, you could have the highest teaching, you could just, you know, someone could tell you, you know, the path to enlightenment and Without any motivation, nothing. Without any motivation, we just have what we call a good samsara, which is, you know, we get enough money, we drink beer, watch Super Bowl, it's all good. And <laughs> call it a day. Right? Really. If we don't meditate upon these things, then, then that's it. And that's what the Buddha said, you know, the Four Noble Truths, it's just, we have to just be awake of suffering. Not like everything is suffering, but everything, you know. It's just that, just to be awake to it, so we wake up to seek out peace where it actually is. That's it. Seek out peace where it actually is. If we have, keep having grasping mind and keep seeking peace outside of ourselves, that's going to lead to dissatisfaction, and then old age, sickness, and death, and there you go. You know? That's it. So how do we find happiness right now? Right? Because we're just putting together these little moments of peace until that just becomes what we're accustomed to. So generosity. <coughs> and I went over briefly last, you know, a couple weeks ago, and I want to 
do this experientially this time. And so we're actually going to get into groups here soon and, and do a little practice. And what is beautiful about <coughs> the six perfections, we could do them in our daily life. You know, we practice them in our daily life. So the first three, generosity, patience, and discipline. And generosity, they break down into a few different categories. Uh, the, the generosity of giving material things. This is how a lot of times we think of generosity. <clears throat> the generosity of giving loving protection. I love that one. Right? Making people feel safe. Right? I mean, loving protection. And then the third one is giving loving understanding. Giving loving understanding. And what they mean by this is that if you have any kind of wisdom... If you have learned any kind of uh, ways to compassion and peace, to share them, you know, to offer them to others, right? give loving understanding. And of course, if you have, you know, a dear friend or maybe yourself in time of need, to give yourself or, or someone the gift of understanding that it's going to be okay, you know, all things are temporary, like whatever wisdom that you could share, you know. So I'm actually going to do the rest as we go through the exercise. And what I want to do is to get into groups of two or three. Try to get into groups of three. And then, and then uh, if we have, if that doesn't work out mathematically, just <laughs> get in a group of two, but not more than three. And then we're going to practice this just with conversation, you know, that we all have conversations throughout the day. And how can we practice generosity, patience, and discipline through a conversation, right? Because it's such a gift that we can give to others, this presence of being. And one thing that I'll say before we go ahead and get in groups is that these things are a presence, right? Like in, there's a meta practice where we actually exude, we call it the emanation practice. You can emanate loving kindness, right? It's an emanation. You can actually feel yourself so one type of meta or loving kindness practice is to say phrases, may you be happy, may you feel safe, may you be free from hardship, right? So these are phrases. But we also just exude this feeling like a visualization of just exuding kindness to all beings, to others, right? I heard the saying the other day, it's not so much you say, but it's your presence in life. Right? So we have a presence of generosity, a presence of patience. So we're going to practice that a little bit. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.